Hi, and welcome to Around Our Schools, an interview program about educational opportunities in Clatsop County. I am Sarah Meyer. Today, Emma Geddes of KMUN fame is our technical cohort. Last month, Astoria 1C Superintendent Craig Hoppus and board member Jenna Reckenbach gave us an overall update on building improvements and school on school status. To help overcome the global pandemic, all schools were closed in March 2019 and all of 2020. 1C staff had to adjust to teaching and communicating with students online, delivering lunches via bus transport, and adapting to new best practices. This year, 1,750 students attend school in person, and a few have chosen to attend virtual classes. Most everyone has expressed additional stresses due to the closures caused by the shutdown and the pressures of society. Among the many requirements of schools, the school district is addressing its overall mental health by embracing a new program. Today we learn about that new program with the name SEL, which stands for Social Emotional Learning that the Astoria schools are using to help all involved interact and support each other in good ways. Teacher Jenny Newton is the new SEL coach. Welcome Jenny Newton. Would you first tell us about yourself and how you came to teach at Astoria High School? Well thanks Sarah. Thanks for having me today. Um, I am somebody who was born and raised in Clatsop County so I, by two teachers. So my mother uh, retired from Gearhart Grade School as a kindergarten teacher. My father retired from Clatsop Community College working out at Mertz and before that he taught at Seaside High School. So my background was always in education and the one thing I said I never wanted to be when I grew up was a teacher. And then I became a teacher. And so, um, and I think it was the right path. And I think that that experience I had with solid teachers in my household gave me a different view of school and education as something that should be to better humanity, better our culture, and that we are all pieces of that in some way, whether we're a student or a teacher. So I graduated from Seaside High School. Went on and studied theater at University of Puget Sound in Tacoma and got a degree in theater. Uh, raised a family for about two, two and a half years before I started a master's program in teaching and became a certified teacher in English and theater for secondary for high schools. And I worked, uh, taught English and leadership and acting classes and some other classes at Astoria High School for 22 years. Um, and then last year, this is the beginning of my 23rd year, uh, there was the pandemic and everything shifted a lot. So that, that happened. Uh, but in the course of all of this, I also did studying at the California Institute of Integral Studies, where I focused in transformational studies and looked at social emotional learning in our schools. So that was kind of the last, that started in, in 2014, 2015. And I worked on that for a long time and really realized that what my parents had taught me in my household is what needed we needed more of in school and so how could I work in my job to incorporate those and our district decided to take on SEL as a key component of our school district so it opened up this position that um, I was fortunate enough to 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 get great so you've taken on that additional responsibility and opportunity and we again say that SEL stands for Social Emotional Learning. 
So they decided to embrace this program because you did the pre-work for it. I think that that's coincidental. I did the pre-work and I think there was a lot of, um, what is that thing Jenny's working on? And then it became to, it started to rise in academic circles as a topic that was important and essential for learning. And so once the district started to latch on, they're like, wait, that's the thing that Jenny does and that she learns about and she does the workshops on. So it was, it, we just lucked out that way. <laughs> they came yeah. to a, a realization. And this position of putting SEL in our district was something that was started prior to the pandemic, then put on hold at the pandemic. And then this year, they're like, the pandemic made it clearer even that we needed to do it because all the flaws that we were seeing in education were amplified in the pandemic. And most of those flaws relate to social emotional skills and social emotional abilities. So if I could do a quick description of social emotional learning here, I think it would be helpful for the rest of everything. Social emotional learning has five facets to it, five components that we work on. Uh, there are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. So I often start discussions with teachers by saying, okay, what are all those qualities and skills that kids learn when they do things like sports or drama or choir? And they always have a long list of words. And the words usually are like, oh, they learn responsibility and relationships and teamwork, um, goal setting. They learn organization. They learn they have drive and motivation. And all of those qualities are qualities that are linked directly to learning. So SEL would suggest we need to provide opportunities for students to get those same skills practiced in a classroom not just the ones who are doing the extra activities. So how do we implement that in what we're teaching? And how do we do that based on brain research? And it really comes in two forms. And this is where I, it's, a, it's a big, this is the big aha moment for me when I first started. I thought I would walk into SEL classes and get all these strategies. What I really learned instead is SEL is how we teach and very little of it is direct instruction of social-emotional learning. So it's how I organize my classes as a teacher to, to foster opportunities for students to have discussion about the content, to foster um, opportunities for students to learn that it's okay to mess up and that you can learn from failure, um, to, to praise kids when they have empathy for each other and point out how that's helpful for our systems and society. So that's really the how part of it. Now, there is also some direct instruction sometimes because you might pull kids together to say, we're going to talk about how to greet each other today. We're going to talk about how to use empathy and when it's useful. So there can be direct instruction, but SEL is much more frequently applied in how the teacher teaches the class. Um, so once again, how to socially connect and communicate how to learn about their self and their values and what those motivators are, how to make decisions uh, that are, are, are healthy decisions. So that's, that's where SEL fits um, into all things. And so it was something we'd planned for, put on hold, and then the pandemic said, oh, bring it back. Don't, don't quit holding. It's really essential because all of those opportunities to interact 
didn't exist for students. And now they're coming to the building after a year and a half or two years, not having practiced those skills. And that's impeding learning. So we've got to get those skills um, developed for the kids, with the kids, for them to do the learning itself. Wow, I was wondering why that you were called a coach. And now I understand that coach shares all of those sets that help with the learning program. Yeah. Exciting. Okay, we're going into making SEL viable, visible, in our school district and you are addressing all grades and teachers so how is that magic happening well with this new position the the SEL coach uh it really there's not so much coaching happening yet because we need to do training in our district so really my my the coach is the end goal but right now I'm developing a program and um, trying to find resources to support our staff because one of the research components shows dramatically that your students will not do well learning the SEL if it's not a skill that the teacher is comfortable with or has themselves. So you've got to start with the adults and the grown-ups, which means that they need to be able to practice those skills in a healthy way. And they also need to be able to take care of themselves in a healthy way because if I'm a hurt teacher, I'm not going to be very good at teaching students at that time. So I need to learn how to be resilient and how to deal with conflict and how to restore um, when there have restoration when there's conflict and things like that. So those are all components that I need to use in my classroom every moment. Um, and those things need to be applied. So we're going to start this three years with coming up with a system to get SEL embedded in our system. We're revising our vision and mission statement for the district and starting in January, we'll be then developing a strategic plan, which was already in the works, but now the strategic plan for sure is going to be reflective of social emotional learning um, throughout that plan. So that's, that's, that's the beginning. Sometimes I feel like it's too slow, but it's the right way to do it if you want it to be sustainable. So as we do this and uh, this adoption, if you will, or implementation of SEL, we're using a framework that's been prescribed by a national organization called CASEL. And in that, after we get the, the vision and mission statement and the strategic plan all set, then it's really about staff and student training so that we can move on um, to figure out ways to make it a sustainable program in our school. And that's when I get to do coaching. So, so coaching's down, down, the, down the, the shoots here. In addition to that, though, we have a district SEL website and a district SEL newsletter that goes out monthly just for information for folks and families so they know what's happening. Um, and also giving them tips and tools and access to information that might help them with their kids or with the, as students or just as humans. Uh, I do staff professional development workshops and retreats and classes. I can, I'm planning in-service days. We also then are, are working toward a time when there'll be good, a good feedback loop that includes student and staff voice and feedback because that's essential to develop a program that is responsive to the community you're in. So we need to, well, that'll be a piece of it is getting feedback from them. How's this working? Where are their gaps? And then the end of that three years will be a system that's set up for implementation 
um, and improvement and maintenance of SEL as we go. It should all be implemented and then we're just going to try to keep it sustainable. And that involves the coaching and some more staff development. So if we go back a couple of steps okay, and we're in just forming this and then you said you have an over national organization that you re Castle, relate to? Castle, C-A-S-E-L, is the Collaborative for Academics, Social and Emotional Learning. So it's where it all gets combined, social, emotional, and academics all in one spot. And then they uh, support and promote research-based strategies and methods that will um, use uh, SEL in the appropriate way. Because you don't want to do it wrong, you know? So, so is this CASEL in the United States, in all states, offered, or is it Oregon-based? It is a national organization, and then we actually have a, a group called SEL for Oregon that meets about once a month. Directors from around the state meet once a month to talk about programs we're doing to help find support for each other. Uh, so we do have state groups also, but this CASEL is a big, that's the national organization that that is probably the most well-known. They go and review all of the different SEL curriculums and programs and will say whether or not they're good enough or whether or not they meet um, all five component needs of the, the social emotional learning. So you, you started to get involved with this a little bit in 2014. Mm -hmm. So is that as long as this national group has been they going? They or? started a little before that. In 2010, there was an emphasis on positive psychology in, in academics. And this is really derived from positive psychology. And the gist of positive psychology is that instead of just studying what's wrong with people when, when things don't seem to go well, it says, wait, wait, what happens when things do go well? What is, what is healthy? Um, uh, what is healthy psychology? What helps people be resilient? What gives them drive? What helps them organize? And so the research for those things resulted in social-emotional learning as a concept uh, um, that comes, that it came from there. The skills that I use in, as that I would label social-emotional learning are probably not brand new skills, but there's newly um, found intention and that it's worth the time and space and effort to do things and approach things from an SEL lens. And it's not just a frou-frou fun thing to do. So give me an example. Okay. So um, can, if let's talk, can we talk about the Oregon Trail a little bit? Is that an example? Okay. So um, somebody said, okay, so you're going to teach the Oregon Trail at your school. How do you do that with an SEL lens? First of all, all content needs to be accurate. All content needs to be um, representative of any stakeholders in that historical event. So it should have... Uh, the, the government stakeholders, it should have the explorers on the Oregon Trail. It should also have the indigenous voices um, who joined it and the indigenous voices who were stepped on in that process. But all of that should be there because that's accurate history. So that's the first gist is that it's got, you got to make sure you've got everything in there accurately. And that's the, what people would usually call the academic part. But then some examples of things that I could, might do if I were teaching that in my class is I would want to make sure my students are engaged and finding fun and curiosity in the topic. 
So instead of giving an encyclopedia version of it, we might play, um, there's a new Oregon Trail game that's online that's all done from the indigenous perspective and includes stories and facts there. So adding the game element might engage more students than if I just said, take notes for 20 minutes. So the game element adds something. I might have the students write letters home as if they were on the journey and they were writing home to describe it to their family because that that then starts to combine and pull in what are, how does the student feel and also what is what are different perspectives so maybe they might write false letters home or maybe they might write letters from the government to Lewis and Clark so that that could be an, something that would be a good way to explore different perspectives for students um I would, might have students work in groups. This is one that I think is fun. Students work in groups and they might create Lego structures of different landmarks and topography of the trail. So all of a sudden they've got the mountains and they really just learned all about the geography of the nation, but they did it in an engaging way that was building and working together as a team to create that. And it's those teamwork skills added into the content that say this is the social emotional learning part because you start to learn how to work with each other, set a goal, complete a goal. So that's part of that as well. At the end, I might have guest speakers come in from uh, Chinook and Clatsop tribes locally here uh, to talk about the indigenous populations. And then I would have my students also write thank you notes. So they're practicing gratitude, they're practicing writing skills, but they're also processing what is it that these people just gave me as a gift, but their stories, their history, our land, so that they have a way to, to, to see that through a gratitude lens, and that would fit under social emotional learning on many levels. So those are some things I might do if I were teaching that kind of unit. It's the kinds of projects and activities we do, also the way in which I teach it. So that if, for example, I want in my classes, if a student is faltering at something, but they're trying, I don't want, to, I want to make sure to celebrate that they kind of failed at the answer and what can you learn from it so that it's not scary and that it's not, um, that it's okay to be vulnerable with trying to take chances, which is something right now kids are really struggling with because they went for a long time without being in front of people and being told that they were wrong about something and being told you're wrong shouldn't be the end of the world. But so many people view that it is. So I, as a teacher, need to create a culture in my room that's a safe, accepting culture for all the students' ideas. And it's also safe and accepting if you falter. And how can we work through that and learn from that? So that's, that's all essential to putting together the social-emotional learning when it's in a lesson plan. So you and SEL are taking the educational opportunities that Astoria has and expanding it to be so inclusive that we're not going to have any more failures. I Well, no, it's that when we have failures, we learn from the failures instead of being panicked that we failed. Instead, of, because what happens often with our youth is that they'll falter at something and then quit trying. And there's yeah. no drive, there's no resilience, there's no push forward, but all of the famous scientists failed at their hypotheses multitudes of times before they finally came to the right answer, right? So we have to make it okay to take chances with our thoughts 
and to and how can we bounce back or learn from them or grow from them when we falter i am the queen at my school in front of staff and students of publicly announcing when i've done something incorrectly i just learned this yesterday and i've did that wrong and so i want to show you guys how i want to fix that now and show that I can do that without it being traumatic. That's an important part of what I, everybody knows when Jenny messes up. And so that, but I've built that into the culture of my room, that messing up is a learning tool, is a good thing to do sometimes. So that's, that's part of that SEL culture. Have you been able to talk to some of our coaches that really want to win everything, that that's <laughs> part of their learning abilities? <laughs> Well, that's where there will be staff implementation and, and, and guidance as we, as we progress in this. And I think that, I do think that there are different areas of the world where things like competition are more useful. It's not necessarily in the same zone that I'm talking about. Um, but I, I don't want to discount other viewpoints, so. Very wise. <laughs> So I'm going to jump a little bit because recently, Jenny, seaside schools were recently closed as a result of social media threats of harm. School shootings cast horror to so many. Mental health issues increasingly dominate concerns for public health. How does SEL offer hope at addressing the stresses for student experiences? This is as we all know, a very unique time. And like I, I mentioned earlier, the pandemic has amplified flaws that we already had. So in, in my perspective in the school, these were flaws that already existed, but it just showed them so much greater in this last two years. So that being said, um, that the pain and hurt that I'm presuming students are responding to and making choices, bad choices, uh, like you would mention in Seaside or at other schools in, in the country. Those are SEL skills that we've always should have worked on, but now with it happening more often, uh, because people are feeling less resilient and, and less um, driven and less um, positive about the world, that they're falling on some, some pretty negative actions. SEL is the base is where you teach the basics to try to get through those things. Now there are certainly people who are sick or make decisions that are not appropriate with or without SEL training. So it's not the it's not the be all end all, but you've got to learn how to deal with with um, conflict in a healthy way before you respond in and a violent way. So if we practice working on conflict or restorative practices with our students more commonly, then people will go to those skills more than to violence or to, to places of panic and chaos that are happening um, in their minds and in their, in their lives. Do you expect to have more counselors in the school system to work with SEL or is that falling primarily to you as the coach? The truth is the ultimate goal of SEL would have fewer counselors because we'd all be taken care of better at the front end. We'd all, we, we will have learned how to do all those things and need less structure or less counseling structure. 
Um, that's, that's, they're more of often a, a symptom. They treat the symptoms. They're the band-aids to when the problem happens. But what if we got our society to be peaceful and empathic and compassionate with each other and kind to each other before they got to the point that they needed a counselor? Now, our counseling staff and the things that they know are, are the basis for the information that we can teach our, our adults and our students. So they have a great amount of uh, depth of knowledge and, and, and topics, and, but they're not necessarily classroom teachers about how to use those skills in the classroom in a group setting. So there's got to be a lot of work between all of the different departments in our schools. And I've worked really hard this year of calling everybody employed in our district as an educator. Um, and that to a kid, we all are the teacher. We all are the role model so that when we do this with adult training, it's going to be at every every department, every level of it, um, so that everybody's using these same healthy social communication skills and relationship skills with each other. Wow, that is... Uh... <laughs> That's a challenge, ma'am. Uh, well, you know, it's job security for now. <laughs> oh, forever and ever. <laughs> I'm going to just let you address it as a hot button issue for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes there are people who like to complain that all we should be doing is teaching our reading, writing, and arithmetic. Sure. Um, how do you address that? Well, the research shows heavily that increasing your SEL skills results in higher scores in all of those areas so we become better learners when we learn how to be attentive in class we become better learners when we engage our curiosity we become better learners when we have self-drive and motivation and we're not afraid to to falter or fail so all of those things the research shows heavily that the reading writing and math skills increase if we can increase the social emotional learning skills Furthermore, like I mentioned in the Oregon Trail one, we wouldn't abandon the use of those other content areas. We would just explore them using social-emotional skills. So we would make sure that there was perhaps a Socratic seminar that discussed the topics. Well, that seminar in itself is social-emotional learning because they're discussing and using evidence to support yourselves in a social environment mm -hmm. instead of isolation just in your own essay. So those kinds of ways to organize class and to, to put those kinds of teaching strategies in class, don't abandon reading math and, and um, writing. It, they're still there. It's just how we approach those things as it teaches kids how to learn. Um, and oh. it engages them. And, and really it, it really also focuses on relationships which is the relationships of the students, the relationships of the staff and students. And all of those things help create that culture of confidence and that culture of understanding and participation. We're about to run out of time. And I want to thank you, Jenny Newton, for helping us expand our knowledge about SEL, a new program within Astoria School District 1C. You share a quote from Audre Lorde that is appropriate for the work of SEL. It is not our differences that divide us. It is our inability to recognize, accept, and celebrate those differences. So do you have any more questions or answers? 
Well, uh, just that SEL development is really the key to resilience and learning. I mean, it really is how you open those doors and that the, so it's very well researched and SEL support is the right thing to do as it helps us develop all of our different skills for life. And um, this is uh, one of the terms sometimes you'll hear used instead is life learning. Or historically, it used to be called the soft skills in education. And soft skills were like, oh, your organizing abilities or your kindness. But what we're finding is those are really the hard skills. Hard to learn, hard to practice, um, especially hard to do on your own. And they take guidance. So that's what SEL is for. And one of the things about SEL that's really fantastic is that it really applies everywhere. Not just to school but to work, to the business, to the community, to your family. And so there are programs and workshops and things that people can take and our community members could take. Some are free online courses. There are things that, that are offered with um, guest speakers and consultants and things. So there is a lot available for all areas of our, um, our community. Uh, and we hope that we can reach out and make those connections because that community connection and the family connection is also an essential piece of the SEL framework that we need to do. Fantastic. It's a worthy undertaking as we work towards a better understanding of ourselves in our own society. Next month, the Round Our Schools will have interviews with 1C staff working with our youngest students, the K kindergarten through fifth graders. You can hear past interviews by going to the KMUM website, website and finding Around Our Schools under the podcast. It's a pleasure working with KMUN and the educators in our county. Thank you all for listening.